Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com slash stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. And amen. Will you help me welcome our internet audience? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. So glad you're here today. And um, glad you're here. Um, beginning of spring and Palm Sunday. And super glad that, that we're all together. Did you vote this week in the primaries? Even if you didn't get what you wanted. Well, we didn't have much to choose from. But even if you didn't get, <clears throat> even if you didn't get what you wanted. Um, I'll tell you what. Our nation is really divided now. Because I read this week that even Superman and Batman are about to fight. True, I read it. <clears throat> so, um, I have a confession I have to make to you too. Um, I have been um, pretending. I've been faking something in church, clapping. <laughs> but last week, I, I've been having since my injury, since my fall, I've been having to fake clapping. And last week, I just we were clapping after one of the songs, and I just started clapping and. And it worked. No, what? no, no. Me. Come on, just let me do it. See, look like that. Yeah, see? See? Yeah. So, so every day this week, we'll just be getting in the car, going somewhere. And I'll go, hey, Alicia. She'll go, I know, I know. But I'm, I'm happy about it. So forgive me for bragging. But anyway. All right. Well, we're going to dive in on Palm Sunday, and uh, next weekend, as Pastor Ryan said, is um, Easter weekend. We have an amazing weekend that we're putting together, and uh, it is not to try to soup up Easter. How many of you know you don't have to soup up Easter, okay? Uh, incredible, but we want to make it um, as best we can present it uh, in very compelling ways, creative ways, and so... Don't miss it and get your friends and family members here. It's going to be an amazing, amazing weekend. Well, as I said, today, um, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of um, Holy Week. And Holy Week is actually the most important week in the history of human race. And Palm Sunday, also called tri- the, the Triumphal Entry, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. It's listed in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the reality is that the real triumphal entry is still yet to come. Um, The big story, a man named Jesus, who was actually God himself, came to earth, took on human form, lived uh, uh, lived a sinless life, and then get this, went willingly to the cross to die for the sins of all mankind including my sins and your sins. And here's the thing. He knew it all along. He knew it all along. How many of you are really good planners? Okay. Um, I plan everything according to meals. (laughs) So is that before or after lunch? You know, kind of like that. And my wife, sometimes she gets irritated because, like, we're just finishing a meal. And I go, so what do you want to do for dinner? (laughs) And, uh, you know, the church, we're coming up on 27 years 
uh, this August we'll be celebrating 27 years. Thank, thank God. And, and God has been good to us. He's been very, very good to us. And, and I don't really like to use this word in terms of church and ministry, but we really have enjoyed um, success in, you know, in, without lack of a better word. And I have pastors ask me sometimes, you know, how, how'd you do that? What, you know, do you have like this big five-year, 10-year plan? And, and we keep doing these plans, but I got to tell you, every five-year plan I've ever come up with looks nothing like what God did, you know, during those times. Now, I'm still a planner. I believe in, in planning. We have teams that plan and that kind of thing. But um, we really have no idea. And the Proverbs even talks about, you know, you can plan, but it's God who kind of, you know, does what he pleases there. But I want you to know that there's a plan that God set in motion, and he knew exactly what he was going to do. And so as all of this happened, as this is unfolding and coming to the culmination of this, Jesus knew all along what was going on, and he was laser-focused the whole time. He was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. And in between, listen carefully to this, in between all the traveling and miracles, the teachings and the crowds, the Pharisees and the lepers, and those who lovingly received him and those who hatefully resisted and rejected him, and between fulfilling prophecies and surprising onlookers, he knew why he had Now look with me in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. It says, the next day a great multitude had come to the feast, which was Passover. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, do you know how they heard he was coming to Jerusalem? It was trending on Twitter. It's true. not, Not really. Go ahead, verse 13. It took branches of palm trees, this is where we get the idea of Palm Sunday, and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Verse 14. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, he's fulfilling prophecy, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, this is actually a big deal. He's fulfilling prophecy prophecy here. This is the first time that Jesus has come to Jerusalem since the beginning of his ministry. Jerusalem is the most holy of cities. This is a very holy city. How many of you know that Jerusalem historically has always been fought over? It's always been fought over. It's being fought over now. Um, And for the Jews, the, the temple is the heart of the Jewish faith. And here we are at Passover and the city is packed. The city is buzzing. There are thousands of Jewish pilgrims coming all over to celebrate this festival of festivals, Passover. And um, Jesus knew that that would be going on when he got there. Uh, he also knew that this would be the place. This would be the time. This would be the place for the climax, for the culmination of his whole life ministry and mission. He would be fulfilling prophecy. He would be fulfilling the plan of God. He'd been telling them all along that everything he did, everything he taught, everything that he was about was moving toward Jerusalem. Now, part of my daily reading of Scripture, I stay in the Gospels all the time. 
I'll read just a little section of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I'll just be reading a little section all the time because I believe as followers of Jesus, you should be following Jesus. And so I'll just read a little portion among other things that I'm reading. And you will see, once you kind of realize this, you'll see that he was always moving toward Jerusalem. Let me just show you just two instances here out of, out of Luke. Here in Luke 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And it's very strong language there. Steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Then over in chapter 13... Jesus went through the towns and villages, numerous towns and villages, teaching as he went. So he's in active ministry, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. So the whole time that he's doing ministry, he's pressing on toward Jerusalem. His whole ministry, the whole time, he's pressing on moving toward Jerusalem his whole life. This is where his life mission would be fulfilled. Palm Sunday, this triumphal entry, represents a very exciting day, a celebration as the king enters into Jerusalem. Now, there's things where we kind of get a mental picture of what's going on. Um, When I was a kid, um, and maybe they still do this, but I remember going to the eye doctor's office. You know, either my mom was getting her eyes checked or my brother or myself or whatever. And in the, in the waiting room at the eye doctor's office, they had these white Bible story books. Do y'all remember those? And they had these cards in there you could tear out and give to your mom and dad and fill out. And then a salesman would call the house or come knock on the door and try to sell you the whole deal. Do y'all remember that? Every time we went, I'd try to, I'd try to get them. My mom never bought them. But I can remember my brother and I, while we were waiting for my mom or somebody to get their eyes checked, we'd always be looking in that book, Bible story book. And every time, no matter what, you know, we'd seen all, we always looked back in Genesis and tried to find Adam and Eve because they were half naked and looking. They were. Why are y'all laughing at me? It wasn't foul. We were just little boys. Okay, so. All right, come on. How many of y'all look back there too? Come on. All right, about four honest people here. But anyway, but, but I remember looking, you know, in later other stuff in, in, in the Bible book and seeing the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, and it looked to me like a parade. It just looked like a parade. And, and in my mental image then, it's like a high school marching band, you know, and the Shriners on the little motorcycles, you know, and it's like everything was kind of like that. And then in Sunday school, we would go to Sunday school sometimes, and they had flannel graph. Y'all remember flannel graph? And flannel graph was kind of like that too. It's like everybody's smiling and waving palm branches, and there's a cotton candy booth. And, you know, it just, it just in my mind, it was just kind of like that. But I think it also, beyond the exciting celebration, also there was a lot of, for Jesus, I think there were some distractions, potential distractions, and pressure because um, of some things I'll tell you in just a moment. Uh, How many of you know it's March Madness? I guarantee you that clap was not a lady. Okay. It was? Go, my sister. All right. Well, anyway. In basketball... uh, and there's basketball pretty much around the clock right now. But um, if you get fouled, then you get what's called a free throw. 
So that pretty much means nobody's going to be guarding you, so there should be no distractions. How many of you know there are distractions? So now we have a backboard that is clear. And behind that backboard, what do you have? Rabid fans. Okay, you're only allowed to sit back there if you are rabid, okay? And, and they give you these noisemakers and stuff. And I went online the other day just to look, and they have these things that spin, and it looks like something that would hypnotize you. I found guys that dress up in fish suits and chicken suits and, you know, and they, they are back there. I found this high school that actually has a whole little uh, drama team that will, they have this guy and they set him up and cover him up with a sheet and they surround him with like nurses and things and they cover him up with a sheet and act like he's giving birth and then they bring out this guy, you know, and all this is going on while the guy's taking foul shots and guess what? He's bound to miss. You know, what is that called? Distraction. Well, Jesus, I want you to know there were distractions for him. And just to start with were his disciples, the guys that were close to him, although they were close to him, they didn't completely get it all. And so they're thinking he's the Messiah. He's the king. We're going in. This is the time. I think this is when this is going to happen. And they're thinking he's done some powerful things. We watched him do some powerful things. He probably will just call down fire from heaven and burn up these other guys and set up his kingdom. And I think they were so convinced it was about to go down that they, they, the scripture said they even started to argue among themselves about who was going to sit next to him in the kingdom and who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. So you've got that kind of pressure and distraction going on. You even had some of the disciples' mothers coming to Jesus. Jesus, when you come and tell your kid, you know, they're doing all this. And he said, anyway, distractions. Then you had the crowds and the crowds heard, we just read it. They heard that, that Jesus is coming. And so they, his reputation preceded him. So they've heard of the miracles. They've heard of the teachings. They, he's got this thousands of followers and They've heard that he's, he might be setting up a kingdom. They thought, hey, I bet this is it. So they ran and grabbed palm branches, and they're waving. They're, they're so weary. They're so sick of their government. They're so tired of being under the heavy hand of Rome. They're ready for change. They've heard that he's, he might be setting up this new kingdom. So they start, they start hollering out to him, Hosanna. And the word Hosanna in its, in its most... Uh, uh, simplest form means this, save us, please. Please, please save us, king of Israel. And so you've got that pulling on you as he's going through this crowd. And then you've got the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and they hate Jesus. They're annoyed with him. They're thinking this has to stop. This has to quiet down, please. And, And they're jealous They're jealous of his popularity. They're jealous of his power. They hate him. They're fearful of Rome that has given them any power at all. And so they they speak out. They've been plotting against him. They speak out to his disciples. And they say, can't you control your people? Can't you control this wandering teacher? In Luke's account, they even said to Jesus, they said, teacher, teacher, rebuke your people and make them be quiet. And Jesus stopped as he's going along, and he says, if I tell them to be quiet, I'm telling you the truth that even these very rocks, look at these rocks, guys, even these very rocks will cry out praise to God. It's a powerful thing that's about to happen. 
all of that distraction, pressure, expectations that are coming along from the disciples, from the crowds, from the Pharisees, they all had an idea of what they thought was about to happen, but only Jesus really knew what was about to happen. So Jerusalem meant one thing for Jesus, and here's what it was. You ready? Certain death. Certain death. And not just a heroic death. And not just a quick death. Look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 18. Are you still out there? Amen. All right. Luke chapter 18. And taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. There it is again. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked. How many of you love to be mocked? You don't. And shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging, which takes you very near death, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. And so to say that Jesus went to Jerusalem, died on a cross, hardly describes it. The word is actually excruciating. Excruciating. You know, the root word for excruciating is related to the word crucifixion. Historians say that crucifixion is the least dignified, most horrible form of death. It's worse than burning. It's not just the pain. It's the shame. It's very public, viewed by passerbys. You're stripped naked, beaten unrecognizable. The crowd would taunt you for sport. And, and Often it's portrayed as being very high, the crucifixion. It's actually very, very low to the ground. There's spikes and ropes. And the goal is not just suffering. The goal is humiliation. Crucifixion is truly overkill. Josephus, the first century historian, said it's the most wretched form of death. Cicero, the Roman philosopher, said it's not to be discussed among civilized people. Honestly, any further discussion of crucifixion is just not suitable. But what I do want to do is give you a few adjectives of crucifixion. Sickening. Have you ever seen something? Sickening. Obscene. Offensive. Disgusting. Grotesque. Horrible. Nauseating. Any symbol that we have of the cross is sanitized. The cross and the message of the cross are offensive. I see some of you squirming. It's uncomfortable. But listen to me. Yet the message of the cross, that Jesus was crucified for our sins, is the centerpiece. It's the hinge pin of the gospel and of the whole plan of God. The cross must be preached. The cross is the symbol and the emblem of our faith. Here's the deal. Jesus Christ died for us, for you, for me, and it was not pretty. He died in our place. It's called substitutionary atonement. He died for me. Let me get right next to you. He died for you. He took your place. He took my place. You and I sinned, and that incurred the wrath of God. And that also incurred penalty that all had to be satisfied, that all had to be paid for. And Jesus Christ himself 
took my sin, absorbed the wrath of God, and then paid the penalty in full so that I could go free, so that you could go free. And he did that for me, and he did that for you, and he did that on the cross. So the cross, any, any symbol, symbol, any emblem that we have of the cross is, san, is sanitized. But that's okay. That's okay. We still need to look to the cross. The cross I have here today, it's a pretty one. This is the cross that I keep in my study at home. And I keep it in view because I want to be reminded. I don't have to have a grotesque looking cross. I know, I've read, I've studied, I've looked at the medical stuff that goes with it. I don't have to be fully reminded of that. I know that it was a horrible thing. I'm thankful for the cross. And this is, this is the, the centerpiece of our faith and of the gospel. We have mounted a large silver cross out front and out back so that every time you come and every time you go, and we put a beautiful cross right in the middle so that every time you come and every time you go, don't just walk past it. Don't ignore it. Don't let it become invisible for you. It is the emblem of our faith. It is to remind you that we have nothing except that Jesus went to the cross and took our place. Don't miss this. The cross is disgusting. It's nauseating. It's ridiculous. It's shameful. Just like my sins. I made it comfortable for you. Let me come back at you again. The cross is disgusting, nauseating, ridiculous, shameful, just like your sins. And to say that Jesus died on a cross hardly describes it. Just like saying, I have sinned, hardly describes it. It's a horrible thing, what I have done, what you have done. It's a horrible thing, what he had to do so that you and I could go free. He took our sin, our shame, our pain and penalty and was our substitute on a cross because of love. Amen. Amen. And the whole time, he knew that's where he was headed. The whole time. He set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem, knowing that it meant one thing, certain death. But he wasn't dying just to die. His death was not the end. Get this. Sacrifice releases power. Look carefully at this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Watch very careful. This is super important. Who for the joy that was set before him. Don't miss that phrase. Who for the joy that was set before him. There was a joy that was set before him. That's what he was looking at. The joy that was set before him. Because of that, endured the cross. Why? Because there was something that he was looking at, set before him, despising. It even includes this in the meaning in the Greek, ignoring the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, there was something out there in the context here in in Hebrews. He's like a runner. 
He's like a runner and he's looking toward the finish line. There's something out there. There's a prize that's out there that he's looking at. And so he's ignoring the competition. He's ignoring the pain, the shame, the people shouting at him, everything else. He's ignoring that for the joy that is set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Now look with me quickly in Isaiah chapter 53. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Can I tell you something? It was all about you. Everything he did, the joy that was out there was about you. There's an old song that says this. You ready? When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. You know what I think? I think when he came into Jerusalem riding on the donkey and the whole parade's going on and palm branches are being waved, I don't think he was waving at the crowd. I don't, I don't think he was caught up in, in the feast and the festivities and all of that. I think he set his face like a flint the whole time knowing the joy that was set before him. Can I tell you what the joy set before him was? He was able to look down through time how many of you know what Google Earth is? Okay. There's this thing called technology. And they're able now through satellites to look down and take this picture and zoom down. Now follow me on this. To zoom down and look at the whole earth and keep on zooming and go past the clouds and pick a continent and come down. I'm going to stop there too close to the edge. And... And come on down to a continent and then pick our continent and then a state and then go on down and pick a county and then come on down to a city and then go on down to a neighborhood and then go on down to a house and come on down and pick me on my porch. And I think that's the joy set before him that Jesus was able to, down through time, he was able to look all the way down through time. This is the joy set before him that he's able to look down all the way through time to find you. And through what he was going to do on the cross, he was, gonna able, he was able to bring hope and help and wholeness to you and to your pain and your sin and your troubled marriage and the hurt in your body and the addiction that you're fighting. And, and the tough stuff that you've been through and the, how that person hurt you and betrayed you and all those things, the joy before him is, I can help him. I can help him. I can remove that. I can bring meaningful life. I can bring forgiveness. I can bring hope. I can bring help. I can bring wholeness, wholeness to him. I can undo what the devil has brought to destroy him. That's the joy that is set before him. And that's why he set his face like a flint and didn't let anything detour him because of his incredible love for you. He set his face like a flint. When, we, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Amen. Amen. So Palm Sunday, waving the palm branches, the crowd, I'm sure he was cordial. I'm sure he smiled, but I'll tell you what, his heart, his mind was set, and he endured the cross. He ignored the shame, and he went all the way to the cross. He went through the cross, took it all upon himself for you, for me, so that he could arrive at a place now to give you and I meaningful life 
And next week we'll talk about and the power to live it through the resurrection. Amen. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That's a pretty powerful thing. Amen. Hey, listen. I want you today when you leave and next time when you come and do this for the rest of your life as you come and go. I want you to just pause just a little bit. Just half a second. It's not something mystical or superstitious or anything, but just take a moment. It might be good, you know, at your house to get across. Don't be weird with it, you know. Um, you don't need this because of vampires. There aren't, va- there aren't vampires. If you hear a noise outside, you don't need this in your flashlight. Listen, don't be goofy with this. This is to remind us of what Jesus has done. Okay? It's okay. It's a beautiful thing. I noticed a number of people this morning wearing a cross. Listen, it is the emblem. It is the emblem, the symbol of our faith, of what Jesus has done for us. But as you come and go, I want you to just pause. Just pause a second. We put up some big old crosses. Because I want to remind you and I want to remind everybody. We light them up at night out front. Because hundreds of people drive past here at night, every, every night. I want, I want somebody just to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Anybody get anything at all out of this today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.